Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Red Voices podcast. The streak continues, much like The Undertaker and his much-vaunted WrestleMania streak. It just goes on and on and on, though I'm not quite sure that The Undertaker dropped quite as many winnable points or had quite as many draws in his streak. So, you know, you might be okay in saying that it has a little bit more merit than ours. In the aftermath of a very polarizing night, a night of mixed emotions, things to be positive about and things to be incredibly frustrated about, um... We're going to do our best to make head or tails of it. I'm joined with my good friend, Ewan. How are you doing? No, man, not too bad. I'm just wondering, I'm, ge- I'm guessing we've got better booking than the WWE these days because I'm not necessarily sure I want us to you know, fall down to Brock or any sort of metaphor for Brock. I'm not sure that'd be quite good fun. But yeah, I'm all right. How are you? I'm just waiting for Sir Alex to run in with a steel chair. Um... That'd be beautiful. I'd love that. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I'm... It's been... Uh... Crazy couple of weeks, but things are starting to settle down a bit now. How's your day been? Yeah, it's not been too bad at all. Yeah, um, had a nice big walk in the park, came back, watched football for two hours, and got frustrated for most of it. So pretty, pretty <laughs> beautiful, in a way. We've got a couple of bits and bobs of our housekeeping to do before we jump in with this week's episode, though. Have we not, my friend? Yes, we do indeed. Uh, so first off, a, a big hello to uh, our fifth member, Harriet, who has managed, in her own words, to break her wrist whilst pulling off a magnificent save in football. And in her own words also, she saved it. So we wish her all the best and hope she gets well soon. The second is that uh, we have now got a new donations page on our website, which is redvoices.net. It's a lot more professional sounding. So the idea behind the donations page is simply if you want to chuck some cash away to help us with the running cost of the podcast nothing is going behind the paywall everything's still going to be as free as it ever was but if you you know if you want to chuck a couple of quid away or whatever amount you deem fit that would be absolutely wonderful so if you head over to redvoices.net slash donate you'll see a link to paypal and you can send over whatever you like obviously there's no obligation to do so whatsoever but if you feel like doing so that'd be absolutely marvelous and we would be eternally grateful thank you very much right okay let's jump right into it then what did you think of the game bad <laughs> bad Yes, just just bad, not not good. No, 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 the, the opposite of good. Um, blimey, it, it it felt to a certain extent like a harking back to oh the bad old days of October, you know, where we were, and then uh, November where we were going through that run of just not being able to win essentially, and we were grinding out performances where we were creating plenty of chances, and there was fluency to a certain extent, you know, obviously not all across the game, but we should have been far more ahead and with a far more handsome lead than we ever got and you know you think back to the Burnley game at Old Trafford you think back to this reverse fixture when we gave away a Joe Allen goal uh, late on after you know Martial scored after coming on as a sub you think back to the Arsenal game and you think back to the to well to a certain extent maybe not the Everton game but plenty of these fixtures where we've either been in control or we've made plenty of chances and just not put them away that was what I came away with most today and you know as has been pointed out several times what we really struggle with in these sort of fixtures is when Zlatan is not on form, the goals just don't look like they're coming at all. And that is, to a certain extent, still quite a big worry. 
yeah, I think that's quite fair. He was uh, he was anonymous today, wasn't he? He was, you know, his his record stands up, and and he'll always, you know, I think he's put to bed any notion that he's you know unable to do it in the, you know, in in the English league or anything sort of preposterous like that. But yeah, no, he in many ways he does seem to be our only source of goals, <laughs> of regular goals anyway, and and in much the same way, it's not even so much about, you know, he's the only one that does score goals, but if in order for us to be successful as an attacking unit, we very much need him to be involved. You know, his his hold up play is good, his link play is good, and I just couldn't help but notice, especially in the first half there tonight, it, he just he was very isolated. Um, and it's it's hard to put your finger exactly on why. This is true. Uh, I mean, he was involved in several of our defining moments of that first half going forward. You know, to think back to that. Pretty decent cross to Matter, which Matter blazed over the bar with his left foot. I think the only mitigating circumstances you can say for Matter is that it's travelling a little bit behind him, but you would still expect someone of his quality to finish that off. And there was a couple of instances where the ball was floated over and he tried to take an extra touch as opposed to just headering it, because he's an excellent header of the football. He could easily have buried that pass Grant if he'd uh, tried to at least get something on target. And another occasion where he just seemed to want too much time took an extra touch and was looking to fire the ball across as opposed to blasting it in as you would expect Slatan to do. He just Today was a day where he didn't necessarily look on it and that is the same for several of his colleagues. But the problem is, as has been mentioned before, because so much is filtered through him, if it doesn't necessarily work, then, if, sorry, if he's not on it, then a lot of stuff doesn't necessarily work as a result of that. And then we really struggle. I mean, but then again, you know, I think we're, we're focusing on him when there are plenty of other players who need to take their fair share of criticism for today. You know, I mean, we absolutely adore Matter on this podcast. I think I can speak for all five of us when I say that. But he had a bit of a stinker, unfortunately. You know, uh, certainly uh, at fault for not picking up pieces as Ronnie did try and get back for the goal. You know, it was it was all right work for Manatovic and Allen and Peters to actually set the goal up, and then you know, Peters with a quick shot, Matter with that touch, leaving Dave completely stranded. And there we are, 1-0, out of nothing, against the run of play. And it stayed like that for what? Oh, gosh, 80 minutes or so? It's incredible when you think back to it. And, you know, you think about the likes of Mkhitaryan and Pogba and Zlatan all passing up really presentable opportunities for players of their quality. It just didn't happen for almost the entire game today, did it? No, it was it was a difficult one. We, we've somehow found ourselves 1-0 down at half-time and Stoke officially hadn't had a shot on target yet. We were still one nil down. Um, it was quite. It was just strange. It was odd. Um, we sh- at least should have been drawing by halftime. We to be in, in truth, if you if you were to be really critical, you could say there's a good shout that we should have been winning the game by halftime. Um, and then I guess I kind of expected after the halftime whistle that the kind of level of pressure and and chances being created would just resume and and we would just continue to absolutely pile on and and we did kind of dominate the possession or or it did seem like we had a good lot of the ball but yeah just never if anything as the game grew on I felt less and less inclined to believe that we were going to score did you did you feel that as well absolutely I mean we I don't necessarily think it was just the result of the substitutions I think there were elements of our play in that second half where we just struggled for that same sort of fluency. And it, it was interesting the way things sort of panned out in that game because Stoke, for the first sort of 10-15 minutes, 
they were you know, pressing quite high up. You know, they were really giving us no space essentially to move out from defence to midfield. Um, United looked really uncomfortable for the first period of that game. But shortly after that goal, they just dropped off completely. You know, they sat back so, so deep pretty much for the rest of the game after that. Apart from a couple of instances where they tried to hit us on the counter in the second half. But they were just, they just weren't up so much. It was surprising because you could see that if you actually put us under a bit of pressure in those circumstances, I think they could have had a little bit more joy. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, so uh, as ever, um, in these kind of situations, when when you're chasing a game, it can often be defined by the substitutions you make. And he he tends to always bring Rooney on, and, and that that tended to be a vital substitution for a number of reasons. And and was it Fellaini he brought off for for Rooney at first? Um, and I think that kind of made sense. It would it would have been nice to have uh Martial or Rashford. Uh, come on sooner. I know Martial wasn't even on the bench, but I guess it w- he would have been a good option to have at that point. Bringing Lingard on made sense because of his movement, but it didn't make any sense to me to be bringing Mkhitaryan off because uh, until that point, um, most of the good uh, chances that we were fashioning and creating was coming from his dribbling and his running through the centre of the park. Um, and I think it was about the 72nd or 73rd minute or something like that when he came off and, and it, it pretty much immediately ground to a halt and, and just became about knocking it from one flank to the other and, and looking for a cross um, and look he, he scored an incredible goal which we'll come on to in a minute but aside from that it, it, it just for for the 20 or so minutes he was on the pitch, 25 minutes he was on the pitch it just, it really didn't seem like the right call to have Rooney involved but I guess I can't really argue with it too much that he's scored the goal that he did Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I I agree with that completely. Though I mean, I think as as we said, the fluency in that second half just wasn't there at all. You know, we struggled to create. You know, there were a couple of instances. You know, I think there was Rashford who curled one just you know a little bit further away from the top right hand corner. A couple of the bits and bobs here, but yeah, in terms of chances, we really didn't look that fantastic. Actually, to be fair, Jesse Lingard did hit the bar with that really great shot from distance, and Grant was completely stranded for that. But again, it wasn't one of those circumstances where you can say their keepers have an absolute worldie all afternoon. It's just that we weren't hitting the target. Apart from maybe that one Pogba shot where somehow Grant just flicked his elbow up and suddenly it was away. Um, it, it didn't really feel like he actually had to put in a tremendous amount of effort to keep us out, to be quite frank. But yeah, I mean, it, it's very similar to me from last week where one nil down... Not necessarily a sense of injustice, but a sense of frustration in the sense that we have our chances, but we simply haven't been lethal enough in front of goal. And, you know, here we are staring at a damaging result, a difficult result in particular, given the circumstances. Because earlier on today, as we all know, Swansea decided to do a madness over at Anfield. That was And that uh, was with fun. Yeah. That was fun. You very much enjoyed yourself on the Twitter account this afternoon, did you not? I did. It's good when I occasionally get the keys to the... Uh to the jeep and i'm allowed to go and cause some chaos I, I'm, I'm, i've got my motives are always good though i just, don't say it I like just that like to... you make me sound like a miser <laughs> you know the thing is folks I, I i have to beg you and for opportunities to go on the twitter account he's very controlling with it all you know he changes the password once a week slander <laughs> slander but um i get one other thing i was going to say about um our general play and and i think it probably feeds into a little bit into into the kind of question that we're asking about our play in general is I think on the face of it now we've got a very very strong starting 11 when all our best players are fit and available um we we still really don't have a, a, that kind of strength in depth squad wise though you know and there's still 
like the fact that as soon as you're rotating, you're switching in players like Fellaini, like Chris Smalling, and you know, tech, if for your main option from the bench to be someone like Rooney, um, is it, it just kind of shows that the you know the reserves are still quite shallow when it comes to um to to the kind of backup options available. Um, something that really struck me today while I was watching the game, particularly with Smalling and with Fellaini, was just how unconfident they are on the ball. A um, couple of times when a pass was on that, you know, whether it was out to Valencia on the right and Fellaini was in midfield, and, and it just, it seems that if it's more than a 10 or 15 yard pass, he's going to turn back and, and just play it to, to somebody closer to him. And, and Chris Smalling, if he's under any pressure at all, will just hit it back to De Gea. Um, nine, a lot of the time he, he carries the ball out of defence, and you can see from his body language, once he gets beyond a certain point and approaches anywhere near the halfway line, he begins to panic and flap and flail. And more often than not, he's running up, turning around and passing it back again. So I know it's a bit of a, a, a finicky thing to be kind of pointing out, but it, it just did highlight to me that there is still, you know, a lack of depth in the squad when it comes to, um, yeah, just genuine quality and depth and, and the kind of players that, we there, there's now a discernible difference between our strongest eleven and the players that come in as replacements. I guess is my point. Sure. I mean, I thought Fellaini actually did all right today. I mean, I I think he wasn't necessarily a massive part of what we did well in that first half, which was you know on occasion cutting Stoke up. But is that I is he was all right? Is that not part of the Fellaini delusion though? Is is the fact that does that not play into? I mean, obviously I know he's good in the air and he's he, he you know put an elbow in or what have you, but the fact that he plays it so safe as to you'll think he does all right because he's not made any mistakes, but he actually hasn't done anything of note either. Well, yeah, but the bar is low, so it's fine. <laughs> well, there was not fine. That's the point. <laughs> but no, okay. Oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you can't play Carrick all the time. And to be fair, Mourinho still has gigantic reservations about chucking Schweinsteiger a start. So essentially, you've got to take Fellaini on board as a midfield option and try and get the best out of it. And that's not necessarily going to be being quick and incisive in the way that Herrera and Pogba can occasionally be. You're looking for someone essentially to try and keep things not ticking over in a carrick sense, but at least moving the ball on and making sure that we transition to a certain extent and that we're able to move forward. And he's not fantastic at that, but he's, you know, he's adept enough to make it happen. To be fair, I thought Smalling was far more worrying because he just looked so, so nervous any time he got near the ball. You, you, you say adept enough to make it happen, but we're talking about it in the context of a game where we dominated the ball but couldn't do anything with it. Well, I mean, do we do we do nothing with it? You know, in that first half, we had about three or four chances where we should have hit the target and didn't score. Yeah, no, okay, that's a fair point. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, were we better stocked in those areas, um, we may have had a better result because there wouldn't have been such a drop in quality with the replacements that were brought in. Um, but... It's not a criticism of the decision to play Fellaini because I understand the situation we're in with the squad depth and you can't, you know, rotation is yeah. necessary. It's more just an observation on the lack of options. Um, sure, but I see spe- you're speaking from now. I speaking that of one of the options that I've just been roundly criticizing, Wayne Rooney, he, he did a thing that's going to make me seem a bit foolish now in retrospect. Talk, let's talk about that. Yeah, so the thing that is going to make you seem a bit foolish is that you didn't think he was actually going to get over that 250 goal mark. Yeah, I think I think I, I, I so uh, Ewan is referring to um, an ongoing conversation I had with our pod buddy uh, Phil Wilson, and uh, basically uh, sometime around, I, I think you know it might have even been in the summer. I think it might have been as recent as that. I I made the rather audacious claim uh, to Phil that I didn't think I'd make the record at all 
um, bearing in mind he was only about 12 or 14 goals uh, or perhaps even less than that away from their court. Um, but I think that's just a testament to Phil driving me mental and me saying stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it might not have been as recent as the summer, but it, it definitely wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'd like to double down on that scepticism now and say I'd be surprised if he scores another 10 goals for us. That's completely legitimate, let's be quite frank. I mean, that is his third of this season, I make it. First uh, one in the opening Premier League game of the season against Bournemouth. He got one against Reading uh, in the Cup, and then third today. I mean, cliched as it sounds, I don't think he scored many better than that throughout those 250 goals. What an absolute corker that was. I had a quick check of his stats, actually. Uh, That is only the seventh ever time he has scored a goal from a direct free kick, which is quite remarkable when you consider that he scored at least 250 goals for United and however many goals on top of that for England. Well, it's a testament. It's a testament to how many of them he's managed to shank into the stands, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, ow. Dude, come on. It's not. It, we're trying to be nice here. We're trying to be nice. <laughs> to be fair, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really. It's only about five or six years ago that you started taking the free kicks on a regular basis. So. This, this is true. This is true. I mean, my favourite part of that uh, goal, other than the fact that it went in, because it was a point that we, you know, you, you'll take a point, whatever the situation, whoever the opponent is, even though there's obviously a disappointment laced with the fact that we should have won today for sure. But other than the goal going in, which was obviously quite magical, it was great for him to get that moment. Did you have you seen the replay of the away end? The, there is about a half a second to a second delay between that ball going into the corner and then suddenly thinking, "Oh my god, that's got in!" <laughs> Everyone just looked shell shocked because they weren't expecting it to go anywhere near there. I think they automatically assumed, "Oh god, that's going to go out," or that was actually a deep cross in. No one expected that to go in at all. It's like the the opposite uh, corresponding phenomenon to that thing that happens where a shot gets hitting into the side netting and half the stadium thinks it's in. Uh, it's kind of like the, the opposite of that, isn't it? But I guess a little less entertaining as well. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great goal. And it wasn't a cross either. I'm sorry, he meant that. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was never a cross. But to be fair, I think the entire ground just assumed it was because, well, you know, fair enough. I guess we should probably uh, take some time to just... Yeah, I guess celebrate and, and really just give credit for what is an astonishing an astonishing feat um nobody is is more critical of wayne rooney than me actually that's probably not true there's a good lot of people that are more critical of him than me but i guess what i'm trying to say is i i, I acknowledge and and accept and in many <laughs> many times champion every criticism of of wayne rooney that can be said and and you know in a different conversation i will still argue about you know unfulfilled potential and things like that but at the end of the day he has now um become our top goal scorer of all time um there's been better strikers than him that have stayed at the club for a less amount of time that haven't got anywhere near that record um it's a record that's been standing for the best part of what 60 years um or 50 years I, i'm not sure the number but he, he's gone and he's broken it and but he's done it in a good 200 games less than than sir bobby as well i mean a slight impact on the fact of their positions being a little different but no it's it's an unbelievable achievement and i think it was uh perhaps alex shaw from espn that tweeted something about it earlier and he said you know all criticisms of rooney aside if somebody sat you down on the day rooney signed for united and said in 12 years time in 13 years time he's going to have scored this many goals in this many games and won all of these trophies 
you probably would have said that's that, that's about right for about 28 million that'll do um <laughs> so at the end of the day um you've got we signed an 18 year old kid who won the lot and and broke our goal scoring record so genuinely from the bottom of my heart i'm, I'm over the moon for him now get out <laughs> <laughs> you massive jerk I mean, I wasn't even. I, no, 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 that's teasing. Oh, I'm teasing I was waiting for someone to say that. I was just thinking, God, is someone going to call for him to go out now? It's still the January transfer window. There's still time left for him to be sold. No, I mean, no, I, I, I've yeah. kind of robbed that from a tweet I saw earlier, which somebody just said, "Well done, Waza. Now get out." <laughs> oh, the lols. Um, yeah, Rich and I spoke a little bit about this when he even the record up after that game against Reading. You know, to take into consideration the fact that he is played second fiddle to some great players arguably more adept players in front of goal than him over the last 12 and a half years and the fact that he's been able to stay with the club stay consistent enough to keep that goals tally kicking over it's a good testament to his talent you know he is there is still always going to be that argument as you mentioned about unfulfilled talent but on the flip side of that he has been a great servant to the club you know we can talk all we want about how those attempts to leave United, you know, talking about the the transfer, trying to get that transfer to City and then perhaps leaving the club after Ferguson left and that falling out that he had with him, how that has clouded people's feelings towards him. And that's completely understandable. But you then have to take into consideration the fact that he has worked his bollocks off for this club. You know, and there's there's no way of denying that. You cannot get around that fact. He has worked so hard for United. He's poured a lot of himself into making us as successful as we've been over the last you know decade plus or so. He's been at the heart of it. He's not been the an intrinsic part of it, just alone by himself. But he has been very influential for us since he's joined the club, and that's something that you can't take away from him, regardless of your feelings for him. You know, this is not. You know, it is a nuanced situation because obviously people feel differently towards him based on how betrayed they feel about him wanting to leave the club. But regardless of how you feel about him and how you know him still being at United makes you feel, the fact that he has scored 250 goals for United during his career here is an absolutely amazing achievement. You know, not many people could have done that. Not many people could have stayed at the club for this amount of time and been as... I mean, consistent sounds like the wrong word, but being as effective as he has over that period, you know? Yeah, no, no, I agree completely. And and look, at nobody has more reservations about the whole business around his transfer requests. And, and I, I'd be lying if I said that didn't affect my personal um, feelings towards him. Um, but at the end of the day, it's an incredibly impressive record. You would wish his career on any one of, you know, the, the players that have joined United in the last couple of years. If If you said to me, would you like Marcus Rashford to have half the career that Wayne Rooney has had? I'd, I'd absolutely bite your hand off. Um, I, and at the end of the day, it, none of, of that stuff around his transfers or anything like that really matters now. Um, it's it's a hugely impressive feat. In fact, he over the last couple of years, his his goals per game ratio has has decreased massively as as the kind of as he's gotten a bit older and he's lost that's kind of magic that was in his game so in many ways the manner in which he got himself to around 200 and 220 goals is, is even more impressive than you know the overall record in terms of goals per game but it is what it is he, he's our top goal scorer now it's a record that may never be broken um just because of how long it takes to do something like that and you know he he should rightfully be celebrated um we're definitely seeing the last days of Wayne Rooney in a Manchester United shirt, but I hope that 
whenever he leaves, however he leaves. Um, it's the goals and the achievements and the trophies and the fact that he was a central figure in the most successful period of our club's history uh, that's remembered rather than a transfer request. Um, because he deserves that. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a, that's a fitting way to, to round off that part of the podcast for the most part. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, let, 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 let's switch back to the actual game, uh, as we mentioned before. Yep, I could not see that coming at all. I mean, chances seem to have dried up at that point and Stoke in that last sort of 10, 15 minutes have decided, oh, actually, we might be able to do something on the counter-attack here. So that certainly made the game a lot more worrying because we didn't look necessarily shaky at the back. Uh, I mean, Rojo was... uh, He was in the stands today, I think. I I think I saw a couple of pictures tweeted of him, so I think he might have been given uh, the day off by Mourinho for one reason or another. Um, It's strange, isn't it? I still can't quite get my head around this notion that we don't look as good defensively if Marcus Rojo is not in centre. I have no clue of how good a footballer he is anymore because I've gone the full range of emotions from initially thinking he was a fantastic centre-back to thinking he was the worst player to ever pull on the shirt for United to now realising that he's quite decent again. So I, he's just one of these players that I don't think anybody really knows whether he's any good or not, but certain circumstances have brought about good performances. <laughs> I think um, he's, he's always a better centre-back than he is a left-back. Um, there's just, oh, it's, just yes. it's just night and day. Um, but no, we, we we certainly miss him when he's not around at the moment. Um, in, in, in all likelihood, when another centre-back joins the club in the summer, uh, because it's probably not going to happen now, you would imagine that it will be Jones and Rojo that will be our backup central defensive pairing and... Whoever the new defender is will will most likely partner by. Uh, so that looks like it. It's probably going to be uh, Chris Smolin out on his ear. But who knows? You know, a lot can change under 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 Van Hal. Chris Smolin seemed like our most impressive centre half for a while. Uh, so it's hard to know. For sure. I mean, I don't think I don't think the uh, the identity of the centre back that is likely going to get sold this summer is known to Mourinho yet. I think there is certainly uh, a player that. Will, be deemed more likely based on performances over the first period of this season. It's Chris. And unfortunately, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. He is arguably the one. None of your diplomacy here, Leonard. Oh, fine. All right. It might very well be Smalling, but I don't think it's quite as binary as that just yet. You know, I mean, I I think we'll have to see. It would surprise me if he doesn't bring another centre-back in. But yeah, I think there's definitely some... uh, there's, there's, there's something founded in the sense that with Smalling, he's looking like the most likely of you know him, Jones, Bailey, and Rojo to go because Jones and Rojo have been excellent, and Bailey's come on you know very very quickly in a short amount of time. So and there's no way you know he'll he'll get a massive push from Rooney at this summer, I'm sure. But speaking of defence as well, someone we need to mention because he's just got given a contract extension this week, Antonio Valencia. Now, wow. It's not necessarily the fact that he has been absolutely fantastic for us this season. It's more that he is functional. It's more that he works. It's more that his engine is working and he knows what to do with himself a bit more now. It's so interesting watching him, especially in that game, the second half. Uh, To be fair, both halves, you can see it so often at the minute. He often just gets left to his own devices on that right-hand side. I'm not necessarily sure that's because whoever is picked to play on that side of the pitch has just got a tendency to drift inside, whether that's Mata or Mkhitaryan, because they were both doing that and swapping over in that first half. He honestly just gets left to his own devices down that right wing so often, and he'll either do a decent dribble or get a ball in, 
he's been pretty damn successful this season on that flank and I'm glad to see that he's been rewarded for that I'm not necessarily sure I'd go quite as high as uh, Mourinho's praise of him which is what one of the best right backs in the world or the best right back in the world might be pushing it a little bit oh, it just reminded me of, of when Roberto Martinez was talking about how uh, Gareth Barry was one of the greatest midfielders in the history of the English game it just <laughs> reminded me of that I want to know who taught Antonio Valencia how to use his left foot who told him it wasn't just for standing anymore because he's put in two or three decent crosses, one or two shockers as well, but two or three decent crosses with his left foot in the last couple of games. It, it's, uh, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, the fact that he's now inclined to do that has genuinely transformed his game, because in the past it was, get down to the byline, if that's not possible, pass it back. But now he's, fair enough, he's, he's, like, he's not exactly got a wand of a left foot, but he's able to, you know, wrap his foot round it and get it into the box. So I, I want to know what's happened there. Is is it just simply a case of before now, no manager considered it important enough to make him do it? Or, I don't know, tell me the answers, Ewan. I don't know the answer. Pass. <laughs> but no, I am. I uh, I would agree with you and say, uh, he, Tony Valencia is another one who I just, I really don't know anymore. Um, I, I would say without question... This is the good thing about this season though, isn't it? Because we've had a couple of examples like this with Rojo and Valencia and you know Herrera to a lesser extent because we knew he was good but we weren't necessarily sure what he could do for United this is Mourinho coming in and making plays that we weren't sure of either just some level of good some level of functional and some level that they actually work in his plans this is without question the best performing spell of Valencia's career since he came in and put all those crosses in when Rooney got 35 goals that season since that initial that year when he got player of the season um, which actually I think might have been possibly his second his or third, third season. season. Um, yeah, it, it's he, he's become... I mean, it's just a case of, of there's no competition for him there. And I don't mean as in he we have no competition for him. I mean, he just is the first name on the team sheet because he's just reliable, isn't he? Um, he's not... He's not really making any mistakes. Um, he's extremely athletic. He is a worker. He's a powerhouse. And, you know, half the time when he tries to get a cross in, he'll get it in. And he stopped just drilling it into the first defender's shins. So, you know, there's a bit of nuance that's come to it as well. It seems like he's got his confidence back. There was a couple of years there after he broke his leg where he felt... It just seemed like he didn't have the confidence in that... You know that thing he does where he slows it down and comes to a stand and sort of then he can speed it up and just get past them from a standing start. He seemed to have lost the ability to do that or lost his confidence in his ability to do that. But yeah, certainly seeing that restored to him this season. And it's good because we finally got a striker that, you know, can it, it has a, a bit of aerial dominance about him. So uh, it, it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. So let's see. That, that sort of puts us <clears throat> still in sixth. Got yeah. quite accustomed to sixth place, really, haven't we? Yeah, I think we're, we it's it's kind of like a relief because um, what with the result of the City and Spurs game and the result of the Liverpool game today, it means that the only team that are potentially going to get away on us are, are, are Arsenal, uh, which is a shame because they're the ones in fourth, but it could it could have been worse. Um, I'm going to do the thing I, that I ask you a couple of times a season when we get to these kind of points, and, and, and it's how do you define the progress we've made? How, how do you quali- quantify it and qualify it? And how, how do you rate it? Because... So we, we've not lost in the league now since October. We've not lost in all competitions since November. There has been a good sort of, what's that now, six or seven draws in there as well. Um, but there's been a good what, eight wins and seven draws or something like that. Um, 
I think if we were showing this kind of form last season, we'd be a lot higher up the table than we are. We also look at the games that we should have won and say that there was missed opportunities there. But you have to look at the progress we've made as well and say we're a team transformed under Mourinho, even if it isn't quite clicking yet. I think if you look at today, I mean, both of these games in the last week, for instance, when we went 1-0 down under Van Hall, that was often it. You know, we struggled so often to come back from those sort of situations. It was often a case of if we didn't get the first goal, then the game might as well have ended at that point because we so frequently struggled to drum up the kind of fight and effort and application that would have dragged us back into contests. So to see us grab two points, all right, there's an argument to say we should have won both, probably more today than last weekend. But you've got to look at the positive of the fact that at least we're battling for it, at least we're not giving up. The mental transformation is probably the biggest difference, I'd say. The football's definitely improved, but the fact that we are able to take those situations where we're either you know 1-0 down in the last 10 minutes against Middlesbrough and we win 2-1, 1-0 down to two teams that we can struggle against in the shades of uh, you know Liverpool and Stoke and still get a positive result from it. All right, not as positive as we'd like, but still something. You know that is arguably the biggest transformation. There's definitely some improvement in the football for sure. You know we are a lot more interesting to watch than we were last year by a massive, massive degree. I still think that there's this. We are kind of defined to a certain extent in this first season by our inability to score enough goals, and we have this reliance on Zlatan. It's kind of transformed from needing Martial to do a piece of brilliance last season to needing Zlatan to put one or two of his chances away in order for us to really have a great game or to have a comfortable game. So that is definitely an issue. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if we continue sort of bobbing along like we are over this last week or so, where we are probably shading games, especially today against Stoke, but not necessarily getting enough goals just to see where we actually end up. Yeah, a couple of points, really. Um, I mean, we we mentioned earlier about that over-reliance on on Zlatan and and you know we, we if if he's not scoring then you know who is going to score um it's quite interesting though because you look at say the Liverpool games a perfect example and there's been countless games where he is the kind of player that can be on the periphery and on the fringes for the entire game be playing poorly enough for us to say he should be taken off but then he has been the one that scored that equalizing goal or or made that decisive contribution but because it, I think it's fair to say he's played a lot more minutes and a lot more consistent games than I expected him to, uh, to the degree that I expected Rashford to get more opportunities in a striker's position. Um, for whatever reason, um, just because I guess it's a it's a different uh, craft, but Rashford is, is not half the goal threat out on the left that he is when he's playing up front. And I guess in many ways when he, when he is put in the game out on the left, it's very much at a point where it's he's just told to run at the team and get the ball across. Um, but in many ways, because our faith in Zlatan is so consistent and because we have a manager who is very much about his starting 11 plus two or three players um, and likes to stick to that, it's it's hard for many other of our out-and-out attacking players to get as much of an opportunity to score consistently as well. So it's quite interesting. Um, I, I was looking at Squawker earlier on their comparison matrix just to try and... Um, take a look at some stats and, and look at the, these stats are by no means foolproof and, and I, I lack the requisite knowledge to, to really be able to apply a context to these or, or tell you what it should mean but essentially um, if you look at our number of goals scored versus chances created um, this season as compared to the previous two seasons so the two Van Hall seasons 
for every goal scored in um those two seasons with Van Hall, uh, you were looking at about six point two or six point three chances per goal. So essentially, for every six chances we created, we we scored a goal. Um, this season so far, looking at the similar statistics, it's taking us over eight chances per goal. So there's been a definite increase in in profligacy or um in in many way i guess a better way of saying it is our conversion rate has dropped um it's taking us two more chances to score than it did for the last two years um so it's interesting um if we had continued our previous conversion rates this year and um, we would have had would and this is just in the premier league we would have had approximately nine or ten more goals than we had this year it's hard it's hard not to think that those extra goals <laughs> would have been the difference between us being in sixth or in second or third right Hmm. yeah I mean it's difficult to sort of compare and contrast this season with last season in that sort of aspect because you're dealing with a lot of hypotheticals in that sense but I don't know I mean we're talking about a marked progress in a number of in a number of different ways you know I still get a tremendous buzz from seeing you know even when we're struggling to put chances away and I find myself so frustrated and I look back at the you know most of that game today and just think this is a complete missed opportunity. You know, Spurs, one of Spurs or City were going to drop points this afternoon after we played. Liverpool lost completely unexpectedly and we're still not taking advantage when the teams around us are dropping points. But then you take the game as a whole into, you know, just analyse that and compare that to a, you know, comparison from last season. Oh, blimey. Let's say Norwich at home. You know, 2-1 when we were struggling to create chances. We're moving the ball around so slowly and almost hoping for stuff to happen as opposed to actually making something happen. And we're doing that now. And that is, that's the mental transformation right there. You know, I think the problem that we've got this year is that we are playing in a much more competitive top six than we ever were last year. You know, things feel a lot tighter and the teams around us feel of better quality. You know, there's still inconsistencies for sure. You know, Spurs didn't play very well in that first half at all today at the Etihad. And Liverpool, good grief, what on earth is happening there so far this calendar year? It's amazing, loving it. I, I, I'm very much a big picture guy when it comes to observations and, and I tend to just go with what I see and the the football has improved dramatically. We're creating way more chances. Um, And what also, and I think this is significant as well, is I, I think our character has returned. I think there's been a real recovery of character Um, to the extent, and you mentioned it previously, that we are now scrapping for games until that very last moment you know there's there is the sense we've seen it on a number of occasions now where we have scored late goals and late equalizers and late winners um so it's good to see that character trait return because that inspires confidence so even just those three things in themselves the, the improved play style on, on a very basic level just being more entertaining and more free-flowing then also the fact that we're creating more chances and we're having the character to persevere until the end of games. That would suggest that at some point it's going to click. Um, and in in co- sort of like corporate world and uh, terminology, and I'm going to talk about some of the stuff I work with now, but it talks about when you get a team together, um, you know, you have the three stages of that team developing, which is the forming stage, the storming stage, and the norming stage. So forming is obviously when the team forms, when the team's put together and they're getting used to to each other. On the other, opposite end of that spectrum, you have um, the stage where the team is norming or is normal and performing at a high level because they're totally used to each other and they know each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses and it's a well-oiled unit and it's getting results and setting out and doing what it's supposed to achieve. In between those two stages, you've got what's referred to as the storming stage, which is essentially 
where you can be somewhere between the two working towards the latter stage but it's still inconsistent which means you will have glimpses of it all working together like clockwork and you'll have glimpses of it all falling apart this team is quite clearly still very much in the in the storming stage which means we have made untold amounts of progress from when the team first was assembled under Mourinho um, but we're not quite there yet and we're not quite that juggernaut we're not quite that machine that we're hoping he will make us so big picture it's been good progress it's worlds apart from where we were this time last year um we are just unfortunate that as we have improved so have all of our direct rivals <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I still think we're set up for a really interesting end to the season whatever happens now you know we're we are fighting for that top four spot we've got three cup competitions in mind so i think there's plenty to look forward to for sure i mean is it ideally where we want to be? No, but we knew that coming into the season. You know, there were several clubs around us who we knew were going to perhaps have a little bit of an easier way of challenging for the title. You know, looking at Chelsea without any European competition, that certainly makes their lives easier. Um, and we're playing Europa League football, obviously one of the Champions League, and we haven't competed for the title with any sort of you know long term sort of challenge ever since we last won it. So there's definitely that aspect to consider. You know, I. I, I I think it'll be next season until things properly, properly click consistently. But I still think we can get a lot of good stuff out of this season. I think we've just essentially got to ride the ride the wave this season. We'll see how we go. My prediction has long been that this is the year that we'd rise from the ashes, so to speak, and, and begin to look like a team again. And next year will be the year that we'd win the league. And the year after that is the year that Mourinho will burn it all to the ground. Um, and I'm sticking to that <laughs> prediction. <laughs> Oh, I really don't want him to burn it all to the ground. That would be bad, IMO. Yeah, well. All right. Let's things. kick off with some questions then. Johnny Brooke asks, what do you guys do to avoid having tear-stained cheeks when you look at all the missed chances in drawn games? What I do is I sellotape tissues to my face. I try and look at the bigger picture. Um, even if you have to make that, like the biggest, vaguest, non-specific picture in the world. You just try and take the positives. Uh, and I, I, Do you know what? I actually think there are a lot of positives. This is true, that's fair enough. Uh, at Roy Keane, not the actual Roy Keane. What is the actual explanation for our finishing? Luck no longer fits. Is it time to get Eileen Drury on? Who's that? I don't know. Hold on a minute. Eileen. Y- you answer and I'll figure out who Eileen Drury is. Okay. <gasps> oh, Faith Healer. She was a uh, big with Glenn Hoddle. Okay. Um, I'm going to say no, it's not time to get her on. But I, 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 I don't have an answer for that. I... It's not luck, I don't think. I think it's luck when it happens a few times. It's it's just poor finishing after a certain amount of time. Um, and, you know, we've seen players in key positions not getting unlucky with the finishes, but just finishing poorly. You just hope that it's it clicks, don't you? It's something intangible about it. I, I'm not really sure what the answer is for that, but I hope it turns around soon. No, I agree completely. I don't think you can realistically explain why the likes of Mkhitaryan, Zlatan and Mata all missed very, very presentable opportunities today. It's You, you can't really point to anything tangible and say, this is the reason we're not scoring enough goals. Because it's not down to a lack of confidence. You know, we are playing mostly quite well. You know, maybe we didn't, we were struggling for fluency at a couple of points this afternoon and last weekend against Liverpool. But, you know, the last point over the last two months, the football has definitely taken an upturn in terms of quality. I don't think we lack team spirit either. It's just something that's not quite clicking 100% yet. And it will. You know, I've got no doubt that it's going to work at some stage, but I, I, I don't know what the answer is, and I'm, I'm hoping Mourinho's got some idea of how he can improve it. Generally speaking, if, if the kind of chances we're creating continue, 
it would be natural that at some point we would start being more successful with the finishing. Yeah, that works for me. That'd be pretty good. At Philmatic asks, uh, not a question, but I'd like that Kev seems to have just been kept in reserve the last while just to do a Rooney tribute. Yeah, Phil, that was the reason. Uh, Austin Reds asks, would there ever be a game where Zlatan gets subbed? Today is a good example. Rashford up top and Martial on the left, maybe? Yeah, I mean, today, we we touched on it earlier, didn't we, about like at what point do you substitute him because you know he's been the one that's been coming up with those goals in the last moments as well. I think Rashford caused chaos out on the left-hand side, so it's it's hard to say that that was a bad decision. But I do take his point. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I mean, you're looking at... The problem with Ibrahimovic and keeping him on the pitch is that he does... I say it's a problem. It's quite a good problem to have. You know, he got that late equaliser against Murdoch's... Did he get the late equaliser against Middlesbrough? No, it wasn't. It was Martial. He was the man who headed the ball down against uh, Middlesbrough and set up Martial for the equaliser. He was the one who flicked his head up from Valencia's cross last weekend to get the equaliser against Liverpool. You know, he does keep coming up big in late moments for us over the last couple of months. So it's difficult to wrench him from that side. But we also saw in that game against Reading is that if you put someone like Rashford through the middle in that centre-forward role, then you're going to stretch defences more than if you've got Ibrahimovic there. And I think that at some point this season... I would hope that that is an option that is used if we're chasing a game or if we need a better result than we're currently sitting on because that gives us a different dimension. He's really, really hesitant to use it and I can understand that why to a certain extent. I think that so far Ibrahimovic is one of two untouchables in that team who if they're having an off day won't get subbed. It's him and Pogba. I understand that but I think in the terms of Ibrahimovic when you've got sprightlier, uh, quicker options you can play in that position and offer a different dimension to our game. I think that's something that we've got to look into a bit more. Yeah, but I, I guess so much of Mourinho's management style is is built around this notion of fierce loyalty to his key players and, and their fierce loyalty in return. I mean, um, and I don't mean this in a literal sense, but he doesn't have a tendency to rotate the spine, does he? Um, and, you know, I guess in a literal sense, that's a good thing for his health. But um, in terms of the team, uh, you know, his central defensive pairing, his goalkeeper, his central midfielder and his main striker. I mean, if you look at his time at Chelsea, you know, Drogba, Lampard, Makaleli, Terry, Czech, you know, and, and I think um, such as the sort of defensive merry-go-round at, at United this year. But even if you look at our best run, he, he did sort of consistently stick with Rojo and Jones as well, but specifically Zlatan and Pogba, as you mentioned, and De Gea, the, you know, the, that's the spine of his team, and he he does have a, a fierce loyalty to the players that he truly trusts, and yeah, it's just, it's I think it's just one of those things, I think he will always leave Zlatan on the field because he knows that he could come up with something out of nowhere. That That is all the questions we have this evening, my friend. Okay. Let's well, have a look at Hull, shall we, on Thursday night? Yes, 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 yes. Marco Silva has uh, managed to pull together something resembling a team there over the last couple of games, so it might not be quite as cut and dry as we would hope. No, I'd agree with that. I mean, it wasn't necessarily cut and dry with that first leg, was it? You know, it was uh, Fellaini's late goal that really gave us a little bit of stability going into the second leg. You know, I think we were probably just about warranting of our lead by the time we had it because again like we've seen plenty of times we created chances and then didn't score them shockingly enough but there we go um yeah uh i would say if we are not going to start zlatan up front in any game it might be good to be this one because 
to a certain extent, we can afford not to press and push Hull too much because they're the ones who are going to have to chase the game. So we can afford to be a little bit more patient, wait for our moments, and potentially hit them on the break a little bit more. We don't have to dominate possession, you know? Is it at Old Trafford or is it at... It's at the KC Stadium, my friend. It's it's at the KC, is it? I think... It is on Thursday night. We'll win it, won't we? Mourinho likes the League Cup. I think he'll, he'll be sufficiently... Have the team sufficiently motivated to get the job done, especially because we've already got the lead on it. Sure. I mean, by that point as well on Thursday night, we'll know if we'll be facing Liverpool or Southampton because Liverpool lost that first leg one nil. If I, you worry about, I say you worry about them. Of course, we're not going to worry about them, but it's not going to be a pushover. Southampton worry about them if we play them in the final, all right? Yeah, well, I'd really, I don't think I'd be really worrying about them then either. You know, I think you're looking at the way they're going so far at the minute. You'd really fancy us if we can get our backsizing gear to put on a good performance and get a win there. Okay, folks, that is us done for another episode of the pod. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's always good to have you with us. Um, as mentioned at the start, if you want to go and check out our new uh, web address, not necessarily a new website, but a new web address, uh, it's redvoices.net, and uh, you'll be able to find uh, work there from the four of us, the five of us, on a semi-regular basis, but you'll also be able to uh, find our donations page there if you want to throw us a couple of quid and just help us with the overheads and help us keep the lights on. Um, as you mentioned earlier, entirely, entirely up to you if you feel so moved to do so. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Please do keep getting in touch uh, on the Twitter page. And uh, yeah, we will be back either after the Hull game or after whatever you and what games after that. Uh, oh after whatever God. games after that but <laughs> take care of yourselves folks have a good one good night